Welcome to the show today. Today we're going to be talking about should you play catch every day? Yes. Yeah. I can I think it just depends yeah. on what your where you're at, what happened, what position you are. If you pitched yesterday, yeah, the overall goal, though, is to be throwing every day for a magnitude of reasons, right? You get better feel on the ball. You're going to have more accuracy when you throw. Your shoulder's going to stay healthier, being nice and flexible. I mean, there's no doubt about throwing every day just as the old school mentality goes. You know, if you ever worked with trainers or old dogs that used to be big-time pitchers, that was their gig, you know? Long toss, playing catch every day. It still holds true today. Well, and you, it's kind of like working out. It's kind of like training. You've got to strengthen your arm, keep it strong, make sure you're working the shoulder, all the other muscle groups that go along with it, because if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's not quite as much like a weight training regimen where you'd be power lifting, you need days to recover, right? It, it's it's something that you need maximal range of motion to prevent injury, and not to mention your arm works like a, a whip. Your body develops all that velocity through all those rotational cues through the hips and through the shoulders. So it's it, it, you just got to throw every day. Now, do you find that uh, it's a lot more beneficial for athletes to also be working the resistance bands and things to warm up properly and keep their shoulders strong? Definitely. I, I have a regimen that I use for myself and for any athletes that I'm training. We're going to go through resistance bands. If you're not properly dynamically warming up, there's just too many bad things can happen. Yeah, we made that Velocity Pro for your Fusion Cables, that training system, once it takes about 10, 15 minutes. But we do a lot of things in a split position to help with balance in these young athletes. But then, not to mention, we've got the two split-level uh, areas of resistance. So you got a mounting point on each side to where you're working in a direct fashion. And it does help all these athletes get really loose. You know, you start getting into those lunge positions while still maintaining that powerful upper body. That's part of the game, you know. That's the part where you need to build the muscle to allow these guys to throw harder. Well, I think the fusion cables is going to allow you to work your shoulders, your arms, your back. Then if you are moving, you can incorporate your legs, your hips, your glutes. You get a good little full-body workout during yeah, I would say most of the time for anybody that doesn't specifically have fusion cables but has a set of bands, the one thing that you want to remember is start small and then get to bigger and bigger groups. After you get through a bit of a warm-up, it's essential that you do some of those simple things, those lower externals. You got your arm down low by your side and you rotate them here. Then you take your arm up top. You know, whatever it is about the way the anatomy works, just having your arm here externally rotating and then facing the fence and rotating backwards you know, you can really see a difference in the way it makes your shoulder feel. But I think the one thing, and I know you've seen this before, is athletes always tend to forget about the deceleration. That one, two, three on the way back. The way that you decelerate is the biggest secret behind ever trying to get your arm to perform at its best or maintain strength because that is actually where everybody gets hurt. It's normally never has anything to do with the stretch. It's always the deceleration in the throwing motion. So, you know, that's what we got to work. Do you think that the best way to do that is to have a set program that you go through? Uh, the reason why I say to stick to a set program is it's really easy for these young kids to just get sidetracked and not really finish what they need to finish. And what I mean by that is, you know, you send the kids down the line, you know, they've got their bands up on the wall. I tell you, you watch down the line how quick it turns out to be, you know, a couple of these, a couple of these, a couple of these. I'm ready to cut it loose. You I'm know? trying to get through the routine instead of making that routine work for me. Right. But if you can, you know, hang your hat on like a true beginning end 
This is how many reps and sets you need at every angle. The concept is three-second decelerations through each of the motions. Now, all of a sudden, you've got guys that you can look down the line. If I don't have three seconds going on, I can call down the line while practice is still going on, make sure guys are doing what they're supposed to. And then you can also see where they're at. If it's a set routine and I know you're on exercise four, well, then I'm still on time for the rest of the rotations, right? If you're just telling them to go down the line, you might have some kids that do a couple exercises and a couple kids do a couple other ones, and no one really gets the full workout, full warm-up in. Does that make sense? It does. I've found it to be real beneficial the first couple of times they do it that maybe I'm going through it step-by-step. I like to tell them, this is what we're going to do, and this is why it's beneficial for you. So that they have it in their mind, I need to do this every time right in order to, you know, if I want. Well, and the biggest be- reason why you got to do it right is most of the time when you're throwing every day, say a beginning season rolls around, you're coming into that winter workouts, moving into your spring seasons, right? I tell you, everything feels great. You're out there cutting them loose. By day four, though, elbow hurts, too much stress on the shoulder. Everything's starting to fall apart a little bit because a lot of guys aren't getting ready properly in that capacity. Does that make sense? So a lot of times, if you can stick to a really regimented, structured warm-up with bands before this throwing goes on and you stick to that, you'll find that when we come up towards those times of overtraining, you're a little bit better off and you bounce back way faster due to the blood flow in the area from all these exercises. Does that make sense? Total sense. I I think it's all about preparation. You know, if you take an outfielder, how many times are you really going to cut that gun loose? Maybe once or twice a game, but you need to be ready. And it needs to not hurt when you go, oh, wow. Well, you make a good point with outfielders. I mean, I think a, a lot of dads that contact us and send in emails with questions and things I get that question a lot of, you know, what if we're not pitching? Should we be doing these types of things? And I would say, hands down, if you're a thrower, it's essential that you're doing these exercises just because that exact point. If you're out there and you're in the outfield and you only get to cut a couple loose, you get a little bit loose, you go through your routines. If you don't have some kind of a structured thing to let you know something hurts, that's the magic behind one of these types of routines is when you're throwing, you get to feel when something doesn't feel right in your warm-up. So you make sure that you get a little extra blood flow before we find out while we're cutting it loose, you know, throwing to second base and working our drills. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's almost like you, you have the ability to recognize something that's becoming a bit of a weaker link, doing some extra reps and sets on those things, and making it bounce back much faster. Once you understand that I was prepared, take an infielder, for instance, Boy, tell you, you can throw the ball, you can make the play, but that time that you got to cross over and backhand and then you got to cut it loose. Oh, yeah. I've been there before. Hand tingles (laughs) a little bit, you know. Any time that you really have to cut something loose, I don't know that you don't always feel a little jitter. (laughs) Well, you know, you know it pretty quick if if, if you feel that tweak or that twinge and that part of you weren't ready. Right. But Amy, to expand on that. So I think one of the most important pieces is you're probably going to incur some kind of an injury or fatigue in your arm when you start any type of a season. So the younger the kids are, the more that you need to get on a regimen of, of almost rehabilitation or strengthening in all those little muscle groups. And I'll tell you, 
a lot of times when you start throwing a lot, these high school kids are in weight training programs as well. And ego's a big thing. And you're in there trying to push like the, the football players are on bench press and everything else. But a lot of times what I would always find with myself and anybody else that uh, was on the team, you're doing all that weight training through the winter. And when it comes to the point at which you start throwing all the time, your internal rotation almost gets locked up. You're just too tight, right? And then you get out and you start throwing every day and all of a sudden everything is driving you crazy. So some other types of stretches are really important to put your hands up on a rail, you know, in a, you know, a track setting, an indoor track facility or squat racks. So there's a rail or a dip bar that you can put your hands on behind your back, or you can even lay down on the floor and put your hands up or use your elbows and sink real low. You'll find that when you start throwing and you're real bound up, your internal rotation is very, very tight. That stretch can really help you relax those muscles a little bit and, and kind of get through that pain point when you start throwing every day. I think that's, an area where you got to focus in on an off-season program, a preseason program, an in-season program, and stay consistent. That I'm always doing something and maybe it changes a little bit. So how do you feel about where do you start making those switches from the off-season and all the way up to mid-season? Well, I think there's been a big push these days of even athletes have been talking about, professional athletes have been talking to, to kids, hey, you know, I didn't just play baseball since I was eight years old. You know, I've been playing other sports to help with my athleticism that's made me a better pitcher, made me a better shortstop. And uh, I would agree fully. I mean, the only playing one sport and throwing nonstop, the, the crazy part about today's day and age in training is you have access to winter workouts. You have access to fall leagues that go deep into the winter. Throughout the country, the weather's pretty darn nice to where you can basically throw every single day of the year, which is all fine, except for if the workload starts to become too much and you start getting some of these chronic longer-term injuries in your shoulder and you just keep playing. I mean, the separation of sports and playing other sports and giving your arm a break is not a bad thing. You know, throwing every day has that line. Should you be throwing every day approaching a season? Sure. Should you throw every day when you're in season? Depends on how you feel. Did you just pitch? Are you, uh, you know, real bound up? Maybe some light throwing that day. Maybe we're not going for long toss for distance. Um, but there's a lots of those elements that, you know, in this day and age, it's different than it used to be. You can really play baseball all the days in the year. And, and sometimes I think it's a little too much for these younger kids. Yeah, I think uh, you need to take that pitcher, for instance. If you pitched yesterday, you probably don't want to come back and just start chucking it again the day after. But maybe if you don't pitch for four days, you don't want to rest that whole time period or you're defeating the purpose. You've got to build the strength and the endurance for when you're ready to come back. Well, you know, as you get a little bit more advanced, and again, this kind of targets some of that younger segment where they've not been introduced to that, or maybe the, the coaches or dads that don't really know for sure what you should be doing. But if you throw an awful lot of pitches, you've got to get some blood flow. So just the traditional running some poles and things the next day, it's a big, big helper for generally moving blood around your body and making your arm feel better. And let's be honest, just like any muscle group, as you age or, or anywhere in there, if you are really locked up and super tight with a lot of lactic acid and you don't move it much, well, you're almost just delaying the time at which you have to go through that. Does that make sense? You know, if you got a tight hamstring and you're out, 
and, and and it locks up on you. You got a little bit of a pull. If you don't touch that thing for five days, most likely it's still going to feel the same way once you start touching it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and then you're going to come back and it's going to tweak again. So you have to maintain that consistency, keep moving, keep training. Yeah, it's just a level of uh, trying to almost ease into it. So say a pitcher goes out, they throw an awful lot of innings. They're talking about their arm being pretty darn sore. As a coach, you kind of want to evaluate that. How sore are we talking? Can you play catch it all today? What, what are you feeling? And you use your dynamic warm up like the velocity pro. Now you're talking to the kid. Hey, how you feeling now? You know, are we, are we getting loose? Is anything really kind of, do you have any pain points specifically? And then it, with a little bit of experience, you know, if you've got something running down the front of your arm, you know, that we're probably going to have to baby that a little bit. We're not throwing any light flat grounds. We're probably not even going to throw a lot of long toss. So you feeling it deep in your elbow? Well, elbow is also a little area where you got to be careful with because just a bunch of blood flow is not going to make a tendon feel a ton better that day. You might have to scale it way back. You know, we may just be running and and, and you're doing conditioning that day after the warm up, right? Let the warm up be the tester, not the full torque long toss. Not the full torque, you know, turning two during practice. Oh, my arm's hanging. You know, you got to make those adjustments, and you can use that type of a, a workout program. It takes about eight, ten minutes. Let the guys do it before, they war- before they're actually doing their throwing for the day. Boom. Now, now you're able to address those issues before they even start. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think, I think that is by far probably the most beneficial piece of it. You get to evaluate injury without actually doing – a high level movement like a throw. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you're an upper level thrower, the amount of torque you're putting on your arm, that's not something you really want if you're real bound up, got a lot of lactic acid early in the season. And as you move through the season, right, you get a little deeper into the season, you're, you're still going to be juggling those things. You know, how in shape is your arm? Did you throw 130 pitches last game? You're going to be tender no matter what. You know what I mean? So what do you suggest for a pitcher that's coming off they threw the previous day? Say they've got a four-day rest period coming. What's the first day look what like? What age group are we talking? Well, let's let's go in the 10 to 14 range, kind okay. of that middle school area. Oh, the youth. Uh, they get to recover much faster, they Lucky do. Ducks. I would say my general approach would be, hey, the guys all get out there. The whole, the whole team is going to go through some kind of that dynamic throwing motion style warm-up. We've got internal, external rotation. We're doing some of those torque exercises. That Velocity Pro lines it up about 10 minutes. I'm going to take the guys all the way through that. I'm going to talk to my pitcher from yesterday, make sure what are we feeling? What's hurting? Is it is it elbow? Is it shoulder? Is it just general fatigue? Well, if it's just general fatigue, now we know we're okay to do a little throwing. Hey, 50% as you start getting a little bit loose, you know, you're, you may not be trying to get max velocity, but you still want to stretch it out. You can play a little long toss and really stretch it out. Just stay real loose and don't get heavy behind the ball. You know, the more that you try to throw everything on the line, that's when some of these guys that have a little bit of fatigue going on, you're going to find pain points. So in that age bracket, a little light, long toss, try to stretch out your distance, kind of lollipop it in a sense, but really get it stretched out. And then during practice, that guy's not cutting the thing loose at all. You know, at that age group, they're probably playing other positions. So just make sure they know, hey, you know, we're at practice. We don't need a magic show here. Throw the guy out. You know, you're playing shortstop, easy in the hole. And that's kind of how you'd address that. And then make sure they get some conditioning in that day. He got 10 pulls. So whatever the level is, older guys can run farther, smaller guys, probably not quite as much. 
And uh, that would be the best case scenario for that guy if you got four days before he's going to pitch again. I really like to keep my eye on him and just ask some questions, but also just observe. Because I'll tell you, a 12-year-old doesn't want to let you know, I won't. I don't think I can pitch my next turn. Yeah, a lot of times you can see someone moving their hand a bunch or they're stretching their forearm. You know, you, you see kids all the time when they're out there, they're always stretching whatever hurts. You know, so you see, if you see a guy stretching his forearm all the time, it's because his elbow hurts. You know, you see a guy kind of always doing this kind of number of his arm or shaking his hand to the side of his body. A lot of times that's telling you he's too tight. He's got some something going on right there. And if you nip it in the butt early, he's not going to miss an awful lot of time. But if you kind of let that drag for two or three weeks, he might have a serious injury. Yeah, you know, when you have a pitcher, and like you said, he's also your shortstop, you can see it. Maybe he get he the next day or you take him out and you put him back in at short. When you see that first one, he's got a zip, and you see it on his face, you know, maybe I better take a closer look. Yeah, you know, you would like to think, and for the most part, younger kids are going to be way more resilient. You know, they're going to be able to play a position the day after they pitch, but a lot of times now teams are running out and they're in these select leagues where they may play six games in a weekend. Well, you may think about that. If you're going to run your shortstop out there and he starts a game and you've got two more games that day, he might have to play some first base. You know, you, you're going to have to get that guy off a shortstop if he's shaking his arm after every single throw. I mean, let's be a little smart. Some of these kids are awfully young to be trashing their arm by the time they're in high school. You know what I mean? And they don't think that that's going to happen. They don't see that. They haven't experienced it right. yet. And, you know, sometimes parents, too, they don't – I don't want him to – not play shortstop. That's well, cool. you know, if you got a first baseman that can't play another position, all of a sudden you're kicking him out of the game, you know. So, yeah. At that age group, you got to get guys rotating around, you know, and if he's your best pitcher, best hitter, you know, that's where some of that stuff, you know, growing up, I played in several select leagues throughout my whole youth, and that tends to be your best pitcher is oftentimes the best athlete. So, they're going to play in the tournament. That's all there is to it. And the more that you can I think that's where that dynamic warm-up helps those athletes along the way. If you're playing a doubleheader, guy throws the first game and he's your shortstop, you might want to get him on those bands a little bit, cut the routine in half, maybe even by 25% is all he's going to be doing of it. But make sure he gets that thing loose the right way and doesn't just go out there and say, I'm a little tender, and then you know you're going to get a ball in the hole. You know sure. what I mean? You're going to get a ball in a hole and have to cut it loose. So you got to. if you can't go through the routine, you shouldn't be playing so you would maybe try to do that between games or if you take yeah. him out, try to get him over in between innings and get a little bit of band work? Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest problems with all these kids. They're playing in these select leagues where they're playing so many games in a short amount of time, and that pitcher's the one that's getting ate up because he's starting and then he's going into the field and playing other positions for the rest of the time. and. You know, if you're not making that kid get a little warmed up, I know as well as everybody else, you get a little tired, you eat your oranges, you know, you're hanging <laughs> out, you, you're doing those kinds of things, and then the next game starts up, and you know, I'm still sweating almost. But if you overused your arm, you got to make sure that puppy's ready to go, you know. So what do you think about the other players? I mean, we've talked a lot about pitchers. What about, say, your catchers, for instance? You, you know, you're throwing the ball – back to the pitcher every pitch. 
but that's a lot different than guys trying to steal a base on you and you got to gun that one ball. Well, a lot of it just depends on time between games. If you're talking about these weekend tournaments, you know, if they're back to back, a lot of guys are probably going to be pretty loose, but generally do you need to go through a whole arm routine in between every game? You know, you more more than likely a, a couple sprints is going to get you there. Your body's already moving, you're generally pretty loose. You just got to get your heart rate flowing a little bit more and you're probably ready to go. So what would you do? Let's say you play at 10, you play at 12, and you play at 4. I, I, would, I would have the guys run in between every game just right before the game. And you're not talking conditioning style. You're saying, mm-hmm. hey, you know, run, go run two poles. We're going to get started, and, you know, and, and that kind of thing. If you're doing in and out on multiple games, I'm not real sure if that always is applicable or if you're really able to do that in most tournaments. But you do get to get out there and toss the ball a little bit, and you should be. Uh, but if you're real tender by game two, game three, you know, you got to talk to the guys. Band work gets rid of the tension. So listen up, everybody. You know what you got to do. Get over here and get a little band work in before we throw. If you're feeling those tight areas, we got two more ball games. We got to win a tournament. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not suggesting guys sit the bench. I'm saying, you know, let, let's get some structure. What do you think you should do for after the game? Uh, after the game, most of the time, you know, you got to take things into reality. If you've been at a ballpark all day, it's time to go home. You know, everybody's getting in the car. I don't know that you're really going to get anybody to stick to like a regimen afterwards, but generally I would say when you have those, and one thing that we never did enough of was it should be more imperative that you get hydrated. You know, if you're on those weekend tournaments and these kids play an awful lot, you should kind of do your best to be like, hey, you know, we're going to have a Gatorade or two. We're going to make sure that we're drinking water all night. Hey, we got to do this again tomorrow. And your hydration is going to be one of the biggest factors for that arm feeling better the next day. So try to get, you know, if you want to train and you want to make sure that you're doing everything the right way, these younger kids, hydration is a big issue that not many people really attempt to maintain. And as a parent, you, you should be able to step in and say, you know, are you, are you drinking enough water? Why don't you get some more water to make your arm feel better tomorrow? Because it's, it's a real thing. You know, get more hydrated uh, and then rinse and repeat the next day you're back at it, right? Well, I remember all those days when I could just see it in his face that I didn't know what I was talking about, too. So Yeah, when well, you're talking about your son? My son. Yeah. Well, you, you learn as you go. You know, you, you have to figure out how to make athletes perform the best you can. And if you don't have any experience in that world or even know what they're feeling, you know, I think that's one of the biggest problems, too, with you know, parents. If you didn't play baseball, you don't know what to tell your kids. But that's why we're here. That's why we're making this podcast. Hey, appreciate you listening today. Yes, you should, of course be training to throw every single day. If you need fusion cables or more baseball training drills, I've got a ton of them on kbandstraining.com. Visit the website, click the training tab, look for baseball. There's probably about a hundred drills there that you can utilize.